0: Let us pray before we look again at that passage. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We thank you for your word. We thank you that as it was read to us today, we heard you speak. And we pray that as we think again about your words, that you would open our eyes that we may see Jesus, see him clearly, and trust him with our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, you pull out of the oven the casserole. There is a... Uh, you grab hold of your oven gloves and you, you grab it out of the oven and you put it on the pot holder so it doesn't burn the kitchen top. And then you go off and you do other things in the kitchen as you wait for it to cool. And after a few minutes, you come back to the casserole and you pick it up and move it to the table and... Oh, ouch you forgot to put the oven gloves back on and that hurts. You immediately rush over to the tap and and pour as much cold water as you can on your hands. I wonder if you've ever done that or if you've ever seen someone do that. It comes because we underestimate the heat of the dish. It's too late once we feel it burning us. We realise that it's actually too hot to handle it after the point at which we burn our hands. Well, friends, as we've worked our way through Matthew's Gospel, we've seen that Jesus is an amazing teacher in the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5 to 7. And we've seen that Jesus is also the Messiah who suffers for the people, the first part of chapter 8. But now we see another facet of Jesus... One that is a little scary and for some perhaps too hot to handle and the passage opens with jesus giving some tough consequences he's letting people know the consequences of following him and they're tough consequences have a look at the first one in verses 18 to 20. when jesus saw the crowd around him he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake then a teacher of the law came to him and said teacher I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Here we see the first of the tough consequences that Jesus gives a would be follower. He says that he has no home. Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but Jesus doesn't have anything. He has no place to lay his head. And the implication is that if he follows Jesus, then he too will have no home. And at one level, what Jesus is reflecting on here is his itinerant ministry. Jesus moved around from place to place, uh, teaching and healing and doing amazing miracles. And so he doesn't have a home in one sense. And yet, it's actually saying more than that. It's saying that he doesn't actually belong anywhere here on earth. And of course, that's true, isn't it? When we think about Jesus, he came from heaven and heaven was his home. And that's, of course, where he returned to. So anywhere in this world is going to be not the same. And as we reflect on that for those who follow jesus that's also the case a bit for them as well yes we come from here but we are told in the scriptures that heaven is our destination our real home Uh, if you want to read up more about this hebrews 11 is a great place to start so let me encourage you to read hebrews 11 at home one of the consequences of having heaven as our home is that we don't really ...have an earthly home here. We don't really fit. We don't really belong. We don't really... ...have a a place like other people do that is ours. We are, in the words of Hebrews 11... ...foreigners and strangers wherever we live on earth. And even if we live there our whole lives... Because we follow Jesus, we will still be foreigners and strangers there. Uh, for we really belong in heaven. That is home. And so Goulburn or Crookwall or Tarrago or wherever we are happening to reside is not home, it's our current dwelling. For the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And he calls his followers in that, to that nomadic lifestyle too. But there's another tough consequence for following Jesus. Have a look at verses 21 and 22. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. The second consequence of following Jesus that he highlights here is that our allegiance to Jesus trumps every other allegiance. It's not that Jesus doesn't want Christians to bury their dead. Throughout history, Christians have always buried their dead when they can. What Jesus is saying is that if you follow Jesus, then Jesus matters even more than your biggest obligation in life and in the ancient world the biggest obligation in your life is family family was everything in the ancient world and especially showing honor to your parents that was a huge thing in the ancient world so Jesus is making the point that following Jesus is more important even than the most important thing in your life so let's be clear here, Jesus is not saying that our family obligations don't matter uh, or that they're not necessary. He's not saying that. That would contradict his own care for his mother when he was dying on the cross in John 19, 26 and 27. And it would also contradict what it says in Ephesians 6, 2 and 3 about honouring your parents uh, and about keeping your family obligations in 1 Timothy 5, 8. So Jesus is not saying that family is not important at all. But Jesus is using hyperbole here. It's a figure of speech to help show that the allegiance and obligation to him trumps everything else, absolutely everything, even family in the ancient world. Friends, Jesus is saying here, I should be the most important thing in your life. And that's a good question to ask ourselves, isn't it? And he goes on to demonstrate why we should take him so seriously in verse 23 and following. You see there the the story about Jesus stilling the storm. And once again in this part of Matthew, we see Jesus perform an amazing miracle. And you'll note that he stills the storm by just speaking words. Uh, In the same way that earlier in the chapter he healed many and cast out demons just by saying a few words, he does the same with the storm. And that says to us that he's doing it effortlessly. Says a few words, storm goes away, that's it. Jesus demonstrates his incredible power over another area in which we have no power. A huge storm on the sea. I wonder if you've ever been caught in a huge storm. Well, maybe not on sea, but perhaps on land you've been caught in a huge storm. And I wonder if you've ever, at some point, tried to echo what Jesus has done here and say, Stop, be still. And then as the storm keeps going, scurry for cover like ants before a massive elephant. We don't have that kind of power, do we? It is Jesus who has that kind of power. And he does it with just a few words. And no wonder the disciples are saying in verse 26, what kind of man is this? What kind of man is this? And indeed, I'm sure that's what they were saying in the next section of the passage, when Jesus goes overseas and meets two demonic men, or two men who are, um, have uh, demons in them. In verse 34, we see the reaction of the people. They say, The whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. So Jesus had just done another amazing miracle in casting out multiple demons from two men. And as the story tells us, they go into some pigs and they rush down a steep bank into the lake and die. And at this point, The herders run off, tell the whole town, and the whole town comes out to meet Jesus. And curiously, they beg Jesus to leave, rather than rejoice over the two men who've been delivered. Now, we're not told why they came to that conclusion that they should beg Jesus to leave them. It could be because they prefer their pigs to the two demon-possessed men. Uh, And that sounds a little harsh. But let me say that that's probably our culture speaking if we find it harsh. Because the loss of pigs to subsistence farmers would be a huge economic blow. When they might have struggled to get through the winter otherwise. And now they have two extra mouths to, to feed the two delivered men, plus they don't have that herd of pigs. Um, If That's a hard thing and they're probably looking forward to the winter going, "Uh uh-oh, we can't afford another one of these or else we'll all starve. So that could be the reason and that would be understandable. But it's possible also that they just find Jesus too scary. Now, this, Jesus, as a Jew, is a foreigner in this area. We know it's a non-Jewish area because, well, there are pigs there. They're farming pigs. And so he comes across the lake, rocks up, and does this amazingly powerful thing that shows absolute control and power over the demonic world. Now, that's if you're there as a local that would be very very scary stranger turns up from overseas and does this amazing thing in front of you and you think well if he's got that kind of control what else could he do to me and so they ask him to go away because jesus is too hot to handle But friends, asking Jesus to go away leads to the sad consequence that they're cutting themselves off from the source of life. For Jesus is the very person who can save them from sin and death and judgment. He is God's saviour king. We've seen this through Matthew's gospel. And all people everywhere need Jesus to be saved. They need to trust in Jesus. So telling Jesus to go away or the modern equivalent of just ignoring Jesus and pretending he's not there, is a hugely costly mistake to make. It comes at the cost of eternity. And that's a huge price to pay for being afraid of Jesus and asking him to leave. And Jesus himself shows an alternative way to respond back in verse 26 to the scariness of Jesus. Have a look at verse 26 jesus replied you of little faith why are you so afraid the alternative way to respond to jesus is to trust jesus to have faith in jesus see jesus is saying here that they shouldn't have been fearing the storm at all because they have jesus with them it shows a lack of faith in jesus who's just done all these amazing miracles right in front of them they should trust that because they are with jesus everything will turn out okay which of course it does for jesus is not just powerful but he also cares for his followers And that power that is so scary, if you don't know Jesus, if you do know Jesus, he's comforting. Do you notice how your relationship to Jesus changes the way you see him? He's scary if you don't know him, if you're not on his side. But if you are on his side, oh, thank goodness he's got all that power. Oh, that's a huge relief. So, friends, that's the alternative to sending Jesus away or ignoring Him in our lives and trying not to think about Him. It's to trust the powerful and yet caring Jesus. And yes, He is too hot to handle. You're never going to be able to tame Jesus. And you're never going to be able to defy Him successfully. But you can trust Him and join His kingdom and live forever with him. Friends, in 2023, how will you respond to the Lord Jesus? Which way will you choose? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We thank you that in your great mercy, you have shown us yet another side to Jesus today. You have shown us his greatness and his scariness. And we pray, Lord, that we might learn from his words, not to send him away in fear, but to trust him, knowing that his power is there for our good and our protection. We thank you that he is both powerful and caring. And we ask that we would trust him to get us through the storms of life. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.